0: Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving us like you do. And Lord, thank you for your word. And once again, we are reminded apart from you, we can do nothing. And we're so thankful that you you sent the spirit of truth, Lord, to uh, teach us your truth. Not just to hear it, but to do it, to walk in it, to apply it. And in so doing, to have our minds renewed and our lives transformed. And so that's our heart, that's our prayer once again, that through your Holy Spirit, you will uh, uh, teach, you will bless this time in your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Genesis 1 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. A quick survey. How many of you, that's your conviction? You believe that? Right. right. Okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How much power did that take? Lots more than I can imagine. How many of you, that's just like beyond measure. It, It's a God thing. Only God could do that, right? In the beginning, that is your conviction. Yes. I believe in creation. God spoke. God created Power, right? There was a lot of power in that, right? Okay, so this transcendent God created the heavens and the earth. Amen, right? And so we've been learning that this transcendent God, who created the heavens and the earth by His power, is with us, right? Psalm 23, right? You are with me. Your rod and staff they comfort me, right? Isaiah, you hold me by the right hand. You're with me, right? And then last week, we learned that this transcendent God, OK, who created all this the, the power necessary to create the heavens and the earth. He's imminent, meaning he's with us, he's near. but beyond being with us, he is what in us. How many of you believed in creation? How many of you thought and, and believed that that took a whole lot of power, Supernatural power? Okay, so the God that Genesis 1-1 speaks about creating the heavens and the earth, where is he? What? Okay, okay, okay. don't miss that. Don't miss that because there's a whole lot of people in this planet that are going to give me that. What? Okay, Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Amen? Amen. took a lot of power to do that. Amen? So that transcendent God isn't just transcendent, he's imminent, which is near, which is with, he's with us. But he's also where? In us. In us. In us. Right? And we spend, there's, in, your, in your outline, there's a whole lot of verses. Last, last Sunday, I believe, last Sunday, we biblically settled that issue. Amen? God is where? In us. In us. So, the God that created the heavens and the earth spoke, right? Robert spoke. Let there be. That God is where? In us. What's he doing? What are we letting him do? He's living. What's he doing? everything so the god that created the heavens and the earth that's right there page one ernie page one if you didn't move the god that created the heavens and the earth lives where in us as believers right through the holy spirit right jesus said it's the same spirit it's me it's, it's the trinity in us the trinity in us we saw that that god is in us what is he doing Sanctifying, okay, sanctifying. Do you ever think about that? See, these are one. This is one of those things that as believers, especially if we've been in the church for any length of period, we just, we just, oh yeah, God's in me. What? What? Now, very, very. he, He doesn't lose his transcendence. Let me be very careful. This doesn't mean that we become gods we're never going to be gods. Okay, so let's just settle that. This doesn't mean God in us that we become gods. It's not the New Age thing. okay? We're, not, we're never God. What we're saying is the, 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 the transcendent, imminent trinity, God, chooses to make us His dwelling place. We are the temple. What is He doing? What does He want to do? What are you willing for Him to do? You see, last week... I shared with you a conversation that that Bill, uh, Bill and I had, and he said, you know, when we were talking about giving thanks in all things, and Bill said, "You ruined my life." I said, "Don't blame me. I'm just the messenger, right?" And 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 Tyler was like, Tyler was like, "I don't like that word ruined, because it kind of has a negative connotation. Kind of makes like messed up, kind of like kind of like destroyed, right? Ruined, right?" But in the context of that conversation, Bill, when he said the word ruined, he was smiling. Because in a very wonderful way, when we allow the God, the transcendent God who created the heavens and earth, when we allow Him to do what He wants to do in our lives, in a very powerful, most positive way, I can imagine, things get a little ruined. For the good. For the good you see what I've seen in, in years of ministry and this is this is not a, not a disrespect or an insult to anyone, but as believers even even with those who are trying our best to to honor God and walk with God and, and glorify God and everything, we tend to begin to make a little box we call our life, including God, and in that. We begin to arrange the furniture and we begin to put everything, relationships, finances, we begin to put everything in a box that suits us. Doesn't mean we're not saved. It just means after a period of time we we just create our kingdom. The challenging part is when God comes along and says, Hey, nice kingdom. Can I move some things? Mm, Can you move things? What do you you want to move, God? What if I just put that there? (gasps) It's always been there. I wake up in the morning and it's there. If you put it there, God. mm, Right? When I was in youth ministry, uh, I was warned. I was warned. Oh, the parents are going to love you. All your activities, Hume Lake, and all the fun stuff you're going to do, and all the crazy games. Oh, my kid loves it. They say, oh, the parents are going to love you. Until their kids fall in love with Jesus and start changing and bring that home. Then you're not going to be on the happy list from the parents. And that happened. Because we would teach the kids the Word of God. And they would fall in love with Jesus. And then they would go home and start talking to mom and dad. Hey mom, did you know the Bible said? What are they teaching you there? <laughs> hey mom, how come? But the Bible says, and how come we... And what happened was, they would come to youth group. We would teach them the word of God. They would fall in love with Jesus. Want to be doers. They would go home and they would mess with The kingdom. The kingdom. So there's a God that created everything who lives in us. Are we willing to let Him move the furniture? Touch things. Oh, don't touch that. What do we have in our life that we're not even allowing the transcendent, all-powerful, supernatural God who created everything want to work in and through us but we're like, oh, God, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Come on, how many of you have had a uh moment? Uh, all right. How many of you have had anyone at your house and you're like just kind of following them around so they don't break anything? Anyone? Come on, come on, right? Especially if they have kids. You're like, oh. But you don't want to be rude and not ask them not to touch that. But you're just like, oh, I'm going to catch it. You know, I'm going to catch it. Sometimes we're like that with God. He says, hey, I'm God. Scotty, I'm God. Will you let me do what I want to do? Yeah, right? Yeah, right? And it, 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 it's challenging. It's challenging. And I'm not talking huge things, but just it's a heart issue of being willing. Being willing. And then I have an illustration, that, and, and, and just take this the right way, but I bet it would be challenging for many of you. Did you know that there is a correct and incorrect way to tie your shoes? How many of you knew that there's a correct and incorrect way to tie your shoe? Okay. That's why I'm wearing my Converse. I'm wearing Converse today, not out of disrespect, because one is incorrect and one is correct. Now, some of you already are like, what do you mean it's incorrect? I could be wrong. What do you mean? See, Bill's already upset because he hates to be wrong about anything. And so the fact that I said there's an incorrect way, he's like... What's your reference? What's your resource? There, there's actually uh, an incorrect and a correct way. See, my, on my right shoe right here, if you were to come up, my lace, when I tie it, the loops kind of go vertical this way. That's incorrect. That's called a granny knot. That knot comes out. How many of you ever had your shoelaces get untied? And you're like, what? And you double and triple tie them, right? You don't have to do that unless they're super long. You're just tying the wrong knot. This, my left one, the knot, my laces are laying horizontal to my foot. That's called a reef knot. That's the knot you want. Everyone's like, oh man, am I a granny or a reef? Right? Right? Am I right? How many of you? Okay. Right? So, so okay, go with me here because this 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 is touching the furniture. This is the kingdom, because some of you have been tying your shoes for many years, unless you use Velcro or slip-ons. Okay, I'm gonna get that up to you. So, so I learned this a few months ago, and 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 Eileen and I were at home, and we we discovered this, and we're like, what? And I, for for as long as I can remember, I've been doing, I, I've been doing granny knots. I look down at my shoes, I'm like. Are you kidding me? You know, you, you, you make the loop and the rabbit goes around the tree and you go, whatever you learn, however you learn to tie, whatever remember the story, right? They told the rabbit to go the wrong way, you know? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I got granny knots. So this is what I had to do. I had to watch a video on how to tie my shoes correctly, a reef knot. And it came down to, for me anyway, the way it does, I had to just spin it around the other, one, one little change, go the opposite way. And it lays correctly. And, and a reef knot does not come undone. That's why runners use reef knots. If you're a runner, you want a reef knot. They don't come undone. Okay? And it, so it took me, I had, to, I had to get out of the way I've done it for 40 plus years, and now, every time I tie my shoe, I have to consciously go... <laughs> Around the tree, the other way. And then I pull it, and I'm like, yay! You know, reef knot. What's the point? Something that I took for granted my entire life, and then dealt with untied laces and the inconvenience of that, I was just completely unaware that it was incorrect. That there was another way. That there was actually another knot that would solve that issue. And then I had to choose to make change. It's a conscious choice I had to make to, okay, wait, stop. Because I can, I can tie my shoes the old way with my eyes closed, right? You, you, you can do that. It's, it comes out wrong, but I could do it with my eyes closed. To do the reef knot, I'm still, uh, uh, feel like I'm five again. You know, It's uncomfortable. It's going counterintuitive. It, it, it's against the grain. And I'm having to relearn to tie my shoelaces. So now what I do is I just slip them off tight and I (laughs) sort of yank them on. And I'm like, I'm not... I've had to choose to relearn to tie my laces the right way. And sometimes God comes in our life and He says, Hey, I'm the God that created everything. And I know you've been doing it this way for a long, long time. And I know you're comfortable. But if you'll let me, through my word, I'm going to show you that you may have been doing it not so right. Not completely wrong. Not with the worst intentions, but just not right. Are you willing to relearn? Are you willing to relearn? Because let's turn to Philippians 2. Right? What is he doing? What does he want to do? Philippians two twelve. Philippians two twelve. Someone said sanctification. Was that you, Olivia? Right. Great word. Sanctification. God in us. Right. Wants, to, wants us to be sanctified, right? Work through this sanctification process, right? Now, it's very important, and I'm, that is awesome that you said that, because we we spent this a large part of this year looking at the word justification. Remember justification? How many here are justified? If you're a Christian, you've been justified. That means declared not guilty and fully righteous. Okay, if you're a Christian, when you put your faith in Jesus... You are justified, declared not guilty, and then you have all of Jesus' righteousness wrapped on you. Amen? So you're sitting here, and if you're justified, God is pleased with you. Because He sees who? Jesus' righteousness. Right? Question. Does justification change you? Does justification change you? The answer is no. No it changes your standing before God. You were once guilty, now you're not guilty. You were once, right? When when you're justified, it changes your standing before God. But does justification change you internally? No. It's God working in you that changes you. And that's where many of us, we think, I'm saved, and you are. But then you kind of just, well, okay, we kind of limit salvation to uh, I was saved from the penalty of my sin. I'm declared not guilty. And then I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. But this whole sanctification process, we're like, okay, but what do I do in the meantime? I kind of got my ticket to heaven. Now I'm just supposed to work it out on my own, just kind of be a good moral person and be better than I was? No. The link between your justification... And sanctification is God living where? In us. That's the radical thing. We are in a process called sanctification for as long as you're on this earth. And the end game, the goal of sanctification is to be conformed to whose image? Jesus. Right? Sanctification is all about becoming more and more like Jesus. The crazy, wonderful, supernatural thing about this is God says, Hey! Guess what, all of you who are in the sanctification process? I'm going to come and live in you. And look at verse 12 and 13. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed not only my presence, but now much more my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. So in verse 12, he says this, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He doesn't say work for, okay? You cannot earn salvation. Amen? The key word there is out. Work out. What is he talking about? That phrase, work out your salvation, means to bring something to completion. If you're into math, you have a math problem, you work it all the way out until you complete the problem. If you're a miner and you're mining gold and silver in a mine, you get it all out to completion until there's nothing left, right? I was talking with Robert. In in communion today, you're going to hear Robert play a wonderful, wonderful uh, piano piece. To work out your salvation, that word picture is Robert. That composer right there, that music that's waiting for you, it's given to Robert to learn. And Robert, how long did it take you to learn that particular piece that we're going to hear? 20 or 30 hours. It wasn't perfect right away, right? And you had to break it down and you just cut, I'm guessing, expanded and expanded and you went over and over. Anyone ever learn a music piece here? Anyone? Right? It would be strange not to play it out to the end. Right? You get a couple of lines. Oh, I'm good. No, 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 no. That's not well, it's not what the composer Intended, right? Robert, as a musician, with that piece that you're about to hear, he was given this piece by the composer, who was it, Bach? Bach. So his desire is to say, okay, Bach, you wrote this piece. My heart is to work it out to completion so that when I play it, the notes, the timing, the emotion conveys what Bach wanted to convey. Amen? In your life. God says we are His workmanship. When we work out our salvation, we have the responsibility to choose habits and actions that result in character so that our lives reveal God's intent. We are to be working out our salvation, working daily the little habits, the little disciplines that build character, the character of Jesus, that's the end. You guys understand? That's to work out our salvation. So Paul says, hey, you Christians, every day, every minute of every day, be aware, have a desire to be reflecting Jesus. Work out your salvation. Work out. But then he says this. Look in verse 13. For it is who? Who? It is God who works where? In you to will and to act according to His good purpose. Crazy. See, a lot of people have defined Christianity as, well, I got saved, I believed in Jesus, now it's up to me. And it's all by my effort. And I'm just going to strive. And it's very self-centered. Very human-centered. Very human power-driven. Verse 13 says, no, 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 no. no. The supernatural God, transcendent God, says He comes to live in you for two specific reasons. Look at verse 13. What does it say? What's the first thing? For it is God who works. That word works is where we get the word energy, by the way. And it's continual. So He is continually energizing us. For what? To to will. (sighs) To will. What does that mean? The God that created everything in Genesis 1-1 indwells us. What's He doing there? According to that verse. He's energizing us continually to what? To will. What does that mean? Desire. How many of you have a desire to read your Bible? How many of you desire well apparently, how many of you have a desire to come to church today? Well, you know, as a youth pastor, believe me, I know many didn't have the desire (laughs) and they were brought. Right, But I'm going to give you the benefit of that, that you desired me. Where, where do these godly desires come from? From God. It doesn't come from us. Left our own, we'd be home watching football. See, I want you to recognize this is a wonderful truth for many of you who are wondering, is God real? Does God still work today? Is God alive, Bill? if you have a desire to honor and please God, that is coming from God. But what if I don't have those desires? Anyone ever come to the place where, Lord, I really don't want to forgive? Lord, I, I really don't want it. Anyone ever struggle with the, I really am not feeling the huge desire to do this, God? What do you do with those times? Pray. What, how, how does this first apply to the times in our life when we don't desire to do God's will? You need to talk to him, Diana. Ask him to change our hearts. You see, if you, if you look on the, uh, your notes there, there's a quote there by Corey Tenboom God, make me willing to be willing. That's the starting point, guys. And according to verse 13, that's what he's doing. That's what he wants to do. So is there an area of your life right now that you're struggling with, that that you've been battling with, that almost, okay, honestly, you've written off as, that's just the way I am. Never going to change. Anyone? Oh, that's just me. That's just me. Daryl, I've been like that for 30 years. I can't, you can't teach a uh, old dog new tricks. Is that true, biblically? If you've been struggling with, with this lack of desire for something godly, what should you be doing? Praying and asking God to do what? Give you the desire. Yes, Brenda. See, many of us are like, oh, I'm, I'm such a horrible Christian. Oh, oh, God hates me. He lives in me and He just shakes His head. Susan, 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 you know? That's what you said, right? He sighs. Ah! Ah! Some of you look... If you're struggling with something this morning, if you're like, Lord, I'm really struggling with this, this thing in my life. I know this is what Your Word says. I know this is what would please You. I know this is what would, would glorify You. But right now in my flesh... I'm struggling with that. You know what you need to do today? Be honest with God and ask Him to change that. Isn't that awesome? He wants to change your desires to be in line with His desires. Isn't that awesome? How many of you could never have imagined you in church at some point in your life? If someone would have said to you, Hey, one day you're going to be in church lifting your hands or singing praise. Anyone? Anyone? How many of you go, you're crazy. Never going to happen. Right? The fact that you're here is a testimony that God, over the years, has been changing your desires and your will. Right? Right? Some of you had habits. Maybe alcohol. And someone says, hey you know, your old buddies. Hey, man, I heard you're a Christian. I heard you can't do any of that. You can't. You can't. Isn't Christianity just a bunch of can'ts, can'ts, can'ts? And you know what your answer is? No, you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to anymore. God took that desire away. You see how he works at the will level, at the desire level? We keep giving bad, bad bill, bad bill, bad bill. And all Bill was saying is, Lord, I don't want to beat myself up every time I'm struggling with this. The struggle is real. But you say, Lord, the struggle is real. Would you just change that desire? Would you just take away that desire for alcohol? And he did. He did. God works in us, first and foremost, to will. And if you're struggling with an area in your life, you just need to say, Lord, the struggle is real and I need you to change my will to make it in line with yours. And when your will gets changed, your actions follow. It's a want to. It's a love relationship. It's a love relationship. And here's the crazy thing. All of us Christians are doing all these things for God, and it's God creating the desire in us. Isn't that awesome? You have to go to church. You have to go to Wednesday night. You have to serve. You have No, I want to. I want to. What do you mean you want to? I can't figure it out. God just gave me this desire. Right? One of my daughters in the, bath in the back asked me one time, Have you always sung and led worship? I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is the last thing. I... If you would have told me this in high school, that I'd be saying. I laughed at you and 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 they were struggling with this we needed worship at a high school group in, in oceanside that I was heading up, they' like lord we we need worship this is I just feel like this need to someone to just lead worship, and I felt them say, Well why don't you I don't care for what you ask for why don't you try why don't you see if you're gifted? go to guitar center, buy a used two hundred dollar guitar and learn four chords and See what happens. See, left up to me. There's, this, this is crazy. In the human level, this is crazy. And I love when my family comes and they see this because I. The first time my family came, it was for graduation. They filled up all these rows, and I didn't tell them what I did. I love their face. <laughs> I just love it because they're like, "What is he doing?" Who is this? Are you kidding? What? You know, that's what God wants in your life. If you'll allow Him at the will level, say, Lord, you know when Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done? Is there an area in your life that you are struggling with right now and you just need to literally say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Change my will. Are you willing to be made willing? Now, why is that so hard? Because it sounds great on paper. Because if you're willing to be made willing, the furniture is going to get moved. The kingdom is going to get lovingly ruined. Because you're not going to be wanting the same things anymore. The use of your time, the use of your money, the use of your resources, it's all going to change. Your attitude, the things that come out of your mouth, your willingness to forgive and not forgive, old habits, everything's gonna change because your will is being changed supernaturally to conform to his will. Amen. Is there something in your life that you just 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 be honest with you. Lord of struggling? Would you just at at front end, just make me willing? Would you make me willing? And here's the thing guys it can also be very scary. It can be scary. Sometimes in our life things happen. As a Christian or even even before we we're Christian. And one of the things I've learned in ministry and trying to counsel people through the years they'll affirm. Oh yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, I need to go to church. Yeah, I need to be in fellowship. Yeah, I need to be in the word. And they'll affirm all these wonderful things that they know are good for them. And then I'll say, "But, but why don't Okay, so what's the obstacle? What why why won't you? Why won't you cross the line? What what's holding you up?" <sighs> two things, two main things. One, they're on the throne and they don't want to give up control. Two, they're scared to death. They want it so bad, but they're so terrified because things in their life happened, even even hurtful things, traumatic things, wounding things, to where what they've done is their kingdom isn't just about pleasure and comfort. Their kingdom is about self-protection. Their kingdom is about protecting their heart. And even as a Christian, they've, they've been with the Lord and walking with the Lord, but, but deep down they've been walking with a protected heart of their own making, and then these verses about God in me, and God wanting to change my will—what happens? Sometimes it's a threat to our protectiveness. It is, and I say, like, "Come on, man, let's just do it. Come on, come on. I love you. Let's go." And it's not that—it's not that they hate God. It's not that. They, it's nothing. Nothing other than the sheer fact that it is so to be vulnerable even to God. And yet, we're to walk by faith. Every, every Lord's Day, what do we start? God is good. See, maybe there's somebody here and and the, the step of being made willing is this. Lord, okay, you say you into all me. Philippians 2.13 says, you work in me to will. Lord, I'm going to admit today that maybe the obstacle is that I've been guarding my own heart. And so by faith, I'm going to give it to You. And I'm going to ask You and entrust You with my heart. Would You take it? And would You begin to do what only You can do supernaturally to change my desires, to change my will, to release and give you the keys to the kingdom. To to, to give you the, the pilot stick, to give you the, the driver's wheel. Lord, I just want you to change my will. And then two thirteen, he says, not just to will, but to do. See, not only does he change your desire, Brenda, but then he says, Okay, Brenda, awesome. You want what I want, and I'm going to supernaturally empower you to do it. To share that faith boldly. Isn't that incredible? He supernaturally gives you the desires and then He supernaturally empowers you to do it. What a deal. Who wouldn't sign up for that? That's what He's doing in us, guys. He's working in you to will and to do for His good pleasure. What is the key? Here, Lord, my heart. Would you please just make me willing? Lord, I'm willing to be made willing. I'm willing to be made willing because I trust You and I love You. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, You are the Creator of the heavens and the earth. We saw that in Genesis 1.1. And the supernatural, all-powerful God that created the universe indwells us. And we've seen in Philippians two, twelve, and 13 that You indwell us because You want our wills to be conformed to Yours. And so we stand there before You Lord, is there an area or areas of our life where we are on the throne? Where we are the ruler of the kingdom? And maybe we're terrified or maybe we're just quite comfortable. And we're resistant to You coming in and changing even our wills because we don't know what You're going to do in our life and, and it scares us a little. Lord, we know You're a good God. You love us. We know that You want us to be conformed to the image of Your Son, Jesus. And so, Father, by faith and obedience to Your Word, we say, God, would You make us... We want our will to be Your will. Make us willing. And then, Lord, we thank You that You supernaturally empower us to obey Your will daily, moment by moment. And as Robert plays this song and we hold these cups, Jesus, we're reminded of Your great love. And You said, Not My will, but Yours be done. You were surrendering Your will at the core level, at the life and death level. You were surrendering Your will to the Father's will. Why? Because You loved us. And Father, in the same way, we hold the cups and we say, Not My will, but Yours, Father. I surrender My will to Your will. Would You change my desires? Would You change my purpose? Would You change my direction? Would You make everything that I I desire to be in line with what You desire?